So they say that an average four-year-old asks 437 questions per day. <laughs> Spend a day with Christina, our five-year-old, and I think that this number might actually be real. Some of the questions she asked are like, you know, well, a bunch of why questions. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why is Pluto categorized as a dwarf planet? The heck does a dwarf planet even mean? I don't know. But, but sometimes she'll ask me for other things. She'll ask me to do something. And I love it whenever she asks me to read a book. And, and she's got all these great books, uh, this Jesus Love Me series. And, and honestly, as a father, it's such a joy to be able to, to read those to her. And, and honestly, you know, I love giving her my time. I love giving her gifts. Sometimes she'll ask for toys or she'll ask for food when we're out somewhere. And, and I, I love being able to, to provide these things for her. And so, so when she asks, a lot of the times I say yes, right? Uh, a lot of times I say, here you go. I say, enjoy. But other times I have to say no. See, there was one time at Target, I can tell you, it was a dark day. I'll never forget, but uh, it's, they're all about marketing geniuses there. So you walk in, and the first thing they have is this thing called the dollar spot. And basically, it's just a whole bunch of junk that, that you don't need. And it's all kind of shoved together in one area, but everything's really shiny and, and lights up and is bright. And so, of course, we walk in, and, and she wants to go check out the dollar spots. So we walk around for a little bit, and, and every item that she looks at, she picks up, and she says, oh, oh, I want this. Can I have this? And, and it came to a point when, when she wasn't just saying, I want this, but she started to say, Daddy, Daddy, I need this. Yeah, and, and it's almost like to be able to, the pain of having to put something back on the shelf, it's almost as if she's going to just collapse and die right there if she does not walk away with some of the stuff. And, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, some of this stuff, it's cheap. I mean, you look at it too hard, it'll break. Uh, I mean, really, why do you even want this stuff in the first place? So, so we ended up having to pry her out of there, and then we grab a shopping cart. And the first thing she does with a shopping cart is she decides that she's going to jump on it. So she uh, jumps on the side, and mind you, there's like nothing in the cart yet. So, you know, physics, laws of th gravity. Uh, she jumps on it. The whole thing decides to flip over. Fortunately, I'm able to catch it so the whole cart does not collapse on her and then now we got to file medical reports but fortunately I'm able to uh, grab it just in time to be able to rebalance it and then she's mad at me because I'm telling her hey you need to get off the cart you need to get off the cart why can't I ride on the cart well it's for your own safety so here I am having this logical argument with a five-year-old in the middle of Target and so the whole day was like that so fortunately we we only had a couple things to pick up so I grabbed those couple things and then we go to the checkout counter now the checkout counter, once again, they're marketing geniuses. What's at the eye level of a five-year-old? Candy. All sorts of stuff. Someone on the way out said, by the way, candy's also at the adult eye level. And I said, I know. I've been there. And so for her, she, she starts picking out these candy bars, and she brings them to me. Uh, one time, she even just put it in the cart, and I actually had to you know, put it back in the cart, put it back on the shelf. But she brings me all this candy. What about this one? Okay, fine. What about this thing? No. What about this junk food that will rot my teeth out? No. No. And so she keeps asking for this stuff. And, and finally, you know, I'm getting frustrated. I'm telling her no so many times. And then I turn around, and she's on the phone. Now, she's not on my phone. She's on Target's telephone. 
You know how they have like those telephones that are like built into the countertops there? So she just picks it up and she starts talking into it. I don't know what she's saying or who she's, who's even on the other line, but she starts talking into the telephone. So I have to go over to her, have to pry the telephone out of her hand, hang up, and now again we're having this, this logical argument with the five-year-old in the middle of Target, uh, having to explain to her why it is that she cannot be on Target's phone. And, and she keeps asking, well, why not? Uh, well, because reasons. That's why. Because <laughs> reasons. I mean, do we really have to have this kind of argument? See, here's the thing, is that as a father, I like to give gifts to my children, but, but sometimes I have to say no. And it's for their own good. And, and the thing is that they don't realize it at the time because, see, adults, uh, we just have this perspective that, that they just don't have, right? And, and the cool thing is this, that the Bible uses this imagery of God as our heavenly father. And there are times when God also tells us no. Now, we don't like hearing no, honestly, who, who enjoys that? Um, but here's the thing, it's always for our own good. Now, can you imagine uh, what it would be like if we got everything we wanted right away? Could you imagine what that would look like? We would all be terrible people, okay? We would be selfish, we would be spoiled. Uh, it's kind of like on the movie Bruce Almighty, when uh, he, he grabs the moon and brings it closer just to impress a girl on a date, and then as soon as he does that, he wakes up the next morning, and on the news, they're talking about how there's flooding throughout the world, and all these natural disasters are caused because he decided to move the moon closer just to impress a girl. You see, the hallmark of good parenting is to say no. And the kids who grow up never hearing the word no, well, they're the ones who turn out to be sociopaths, okay? I mean, this is a real thing. And as parents, we, we know this. As parents, uh, we get this. And yet, uh, when it, where it comes to God, see, God our Father also tells us no. Now, I have to admit that as a father, I am imperfect. I am not perfect. Uh, there are times... When I say yes or no, get this, just depending upon my mood, just how I feel at that moment, uh, whether I'm too tired or I have energy, uh, whether I just feel like it. Some, sometimes that's just the way it is. Being a human, being a parent, uh, that's just the way it is. But, but get this, and this is so cool, that when we talk about God, he, he never says yes or no arbitrarily. He, he never, whenever we pray to him and we're asking him for something, it's, it's not up there. He's not up there thinking, uh, well, how does this benefit me or what can I get out of it? Uh, instead, he doesn't say it arbitrarily. It's only because it's for our good or because he has a greater purpose. See, we can always trust that God is good and that his plans, which are different than ours, his plans are always perfect. Now, some of us are sitting here this morning and we don't understand why God would say no. Maybe we're going through something really difficult right now and we've been praying a lot. We're not asking for God for something meaningless like candy at a checkout line or something that would harm us like wanting to ride on the side of a shopping cart. Maybe we're praying for, for good things, for altruistic things like, like healing or, or for safety while a family member is traveling. I mean, these are good things, and, and God, God would never say no to something like this, right? Well, sometimes God does. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to us at the time, 
most of the time he answers with a yes. And see, if you've been here the past couple weeks, we've been talking about this miracle series, uh, about how many times God will say yes. And in fact, uh, the Bible says that, that God sometimes does not answer us because we don't even ask. And so, so the Bible encourages us that we need to constantly be going to God uh, and to pray about anything and everything. We are to bring uh, everything to God and whatever's on our mind, whatever our worries are, we're to go to God and, and we're to ask, Okay. But the thing is that and most of the time he will answer with a yes because he wants to give good gifts. But, but there are times when also he has to say no. You know, uh, we had uh, a pretty busy weekend last weekend. We had two funerals here. Uh, both were young women, and they were diagnosed with cancer. We've been praying for both of them for months and, and even years. And yet God took them home. And, and the cool thing for, for both of those ladies is that they're in heaven and they're with Jesus. And, they're, and they, they get to experience uh, what it's like to be without pain or without suffering. Uh, but, and they're with Jesus. But for us on the other side of heaven, uh, it's hard. It's hard. We're, we're grieving. Um, you know, we, we, we really feel it. And I think that this is kind of the crux of this series. I think that this is the rub for so many of us. Because um, whenever we talk about this miracle series, we're talking about how God has compassion on those who are suffering. And we talk about how Jesus will, will see someone in the Bible and he will perform a miracle. He will feed people. He will heal people. And, and he even brought a friend back to life. You see, God is this great healer. He's this great physician. And yet, so many in this room have experienced God answering our prayers with a no. Why? Why would God ever say no to our prayers? Well, there's three reasons why God would say no. And the first reason is that he's actually not saying no at all, but rather he's saying, wait. See, when we pray, God does not immediately respond with a yes, but sometimes uh, he may just be telling us to hold off, to, to be patient, to wait. See, God, he has this plan, he has this timing that is very different than our timing. And that's something very difficult for us to get. It's something very hard for us to grasp and understand. In the book of Genesis, God promised Abraham and Sarah that he would create a nation through them, the holy nation of Israel, and that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. In fact, uh, God even had Abraham step outside and look up at the stars and said, your descendants will be even more numerous than this. Now in Phoenix, because of our lights, we, have, uh, we can see some stars. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were up in Flagstaff, which is known for being like a dark city or whatever they call it. Uh, the, there's a code for the light bulbs. And I was just mesmerized just to see how many stars there actually are. It's almost like God had painted the skies was just full of stars. And, and that's what God is promising Abraham and Sarah here, that through Abraham and through Sarah, that God is going to create a nation where the descendants are going to be even more numerous than the stars in the sky. And, and when God promises this to Abraham and Sarah, it sounds great, except for one problem. At that point, they didn't have any children. They were barren when God promised them this. And here's the thing, time went on. Years passed, still no children. And what happened is that they, they grew impatient on God. They didn't trust God. And so they took matters into their own hands. They chose for Abraham to have a son with Hagar, who was their servant. 
And then they had this child, Ishmael. But that was not God's plan. You see, Sarah was going to give birth to a, to a son named Isaac. So God came to Abraham in Genesis 17, and he reminded him of this promise that Abraham will have many descendants. And then God lays out the details he, about how Sarah is going to give birth to Isaac. Now, whenever Abraham heard this, he laughed because he was 100 years old. Literally, that's what the Bible says. He was 100 years old. And Sarah, she was 90, 90 years old. And so, so Abraham laughed. And even that's what the word Isaac means. Isaac means laughter. So God opens up her womb, even at age 90, and gives birth to Isaac. Now, can you imagine waiting for years, decades, on God's timing? When they reached out to God, God was telling them, wait. He was going to give them a child, but they needed to wait. So have you ever waited on God for something? Have you ever tried to go around God and do it yourself, like they did with Hagar? This isn't easy, but don't give up. Continue Continue to pray. So sometimes God says, wait, but other times he, he closes a door. And sometimes it is a no. Why would he ever do this? Well, one reason is because he has something better for us. Remember, God is our heavenly father. And, and that imagery, I think, is especially helpful here. See, just like I would tell Christina to get off the shopping cart because she might hurt herself, Sometimes God closes opportunities because he has something better in store for us. So for example, if you're single and you wonder why your last relationship ended, well, maybe God has someone in store better for you. After all, maybe he was just a loser. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but understand this, that God does work things in such a way that protect us and therefore our good. Maybe you've been playing the lottery and you're wondering why you haven't won. Well, it could be because God is protecting you. Because, see, something like that, winning the lottery, actually has the potential to destroy someone's life. Believe it or not, it can happen. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, and I think if we were to take the whole sermon and just focus on a verse, here's what I love right here. Jesus says this, if, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, remember, I'm an imperfect father. I say no, just depending upon my mood. But God is perfect, and he wants to give us the best. And so if God wants to give us the best, that means that he has to say no to certain things because they're not the best. You might have been praying to get into a certain college and God closes that door. You think, well, this college is going to be the best thing for me, but perhaps God knows that that college would not have been. So he closes that door. If he only gives you what's best, that means he has to say no to the mediocre. And finally, God says no because he has a greater purpose. Now, out of the three reasons, I think this is one of the most difficult to grasp and to really deal with. See, when tragedy comes into our life, it hurts. It, it does. It puts us on our knees. 
Uh, there is a sting, there is pain. Tragedy hurts, life hurts. And it's tempting to look to the skies, it's tempting to blame God for what's happening. It's easy to forget the source of pain and trouble. See, the source, this is not from God. God is good, pain and suffering comes from the enemy. And we just live in this fallen and broken world. See, there's evil and brokenness everywhere. Um, just, it's, it's amazing that we don't experience more tragedies because the world is just that messed up. I mean, it's, it's amazing that we don't face more um, evil and more um, difficulties in our lives than we already do. But, but hear this, and this is such a cool thing, that God hates evil and darkness so much that he actually promises to rework broken situations and then shines light out of them. Romans 8 helps us see God's plan in verse 18. It starts with this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, pain is temporary. We're here temporary. Instead, what we need to do is we need to focus on the eternal. We need to focus our eyes to heaven with Jesus. Verse 28 says this, which I think is familiar for a lot of us. It says this, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, God has this plan, and he works everything for our good. When, when God says no, it's, it's because he has a greater purpose. The problem is that we often do not see his purpose, and so we begin to wonder, we begin to doubt. We kind of expect this knee-jerk, instant event to happen and says, oh, so that's why that happened. That's the purpose for why this thing happened. But you see, we don't have the same view that God does. And so we need to trust God. Uh, Pastor Mike uh, used this analogy a few months ago, and so I'm just going to steal it from him. Uh, No one tell him, okay? No one tell him. But I thought it's brilliant, so we're going to go with it. Um, he talked about how his grandmother used to do a lot of sewing. And, and he said that whenever um, she would be sewing uh, some fabric for, like, say, a quilt, then on one side of the quilt, uh, or one side of the fabric, uh, everything would just look really messy. Uh, it's like you can see there's all the seams, all the, the fabric is, is woven. Uh, it just looks really chaotic. It, it almost just looks like something a child made. It does not look like it's a quilt. It does not look like it's something beautiful. And yet, whenever you take that same piece of fabric and you flip it over, uh, then that's when you get to see the design. And, and that's what all the work is for underneath. That you get to see this beautiful artistic design for the quilt. And you see, we may only see one side of it in our lifetime. We may only see the mess. We may only see the chaos, uh, the suffering on this side of heaven. But understand this, that God is working everything for, for good. And, and he's creating out of that mess, which is what we can only see. On the flip side, from God's perspective, he's creating something that is beautiful. We should also remember this, and I think this is helpful um, for, for those of us in our room who are just on our knees crying out to God, is that even Jesus was given a no. See, right before he was captured and beaten and crucified, he was praying in the garden to his, his father. And, and I just uh, love the way the passion of the Christ 
illustrated this, uh, the movie from 10 years ago, and, and Jesus is in the garden, and his whole body is convulsing. He's shaking. And, and for me, I just I love that imagery because, um, because of what Jesus was about to go through, and Jesus was, was fully human, fully God, but he's fully human here in that um, his, his body is just convulsing, freaking out about what's, what's going to happen. And, and he says this. He says, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. See, he knew what was about to happen. He knew all the pain and suffering that he was going to go through. And so he openly and honestly went to his father to ask if there's any other way. Is there any way for atonement, for forgiveness of sins? And he says, take this cup from me, which is representing the cup of wrath. Is there any other way? Now, what, what gets me about this verse is that, that Jesus knows the ending. Uh, it's, it's like someone who has already seen the ending to a movie and they rewatch it. See, Jesus, he already knows that, that the ending is, is a good ending. He knows that um, what's going to happen is going to be painful, but on the other side of it, he knows that sin, death, and the devil will be defeated on the cross and that three days later he's going to rise from the grave. See, he knows the other side of the quilt. He knows the beautiful side. And yet, here he is in this garden, and he's praying this. Just because he knew that the suffering was going to be so great. And what's really interesting, and, and I don't know, I guess I must have forgotten this until I reread the section, but it says that an angel appeared from heaven and comforted him. And I, and I find that really interesting, that, that an angel appeared and comforted him. And so ultimately, the father said no. And, and Jesus, because he loves us so much, he chose to endure all that pain and suffering. He chose to go through it. See, he was beaten. He was mocked. He was finally nailed to the cross. He was innocent, yet he, he paid this price for us. See, at a moment of irony when Satan was doing this victory lap for killing Jesus, it turns out that this was a very powerful moment. Humanity can now be reconciled to God. Our sins were taken away on the cross, and we can experience forgiveness. Sin, death, and the devil were defeated, and Jesus rose from the grave three days later. See, God took one of the most painful, one of the darkest moments, and transformed it into the most powerful and beautiful moment in all of history. See, there are times when we reject God. There's times when we don't trust God. And the Bible calls that sin. Maybe we haven't trusted him for his goodness or that his plans, his ways are really better than ours. Maybe we've tried to go around God and do our own thing like Abraham and Hagar. This distrust, this sin, causes us to be separated from a holy God. And that's why Jesus came. He came to take away our past mistakes, to reconcile us to God so that we may be forgiven and then made new. And I love that made new part because we're not just simply the same person who's had our past erased, but rather the way Second Corinthians and Revelation describe it is that, that our, whole, um, our whole body, our whole selves, that we are made new. See, through faith in him, meaning that, that we believe that this really happened, and then in repentance, which means that we're sorry for these things, that we can experience this forgiveness and we can experience this eternal life. So if ever you've been desperate, you've been on your knees shaking, 
Know that Jesus can relate to your pain. He has been there. He has done that. So when we call out to him, when we pray to him, we know that he will understand. We can also trust that he is making everything new, taking darkness and producing light. God is good, and he has a greater plan than we can see or understand. And all God's people said, amen. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that, indeed, that you are our Father who wants to give us good gifts, and you want what's best for us. And Lord, we, we also recognize that there are times when we think that our plans are, are better. And so, so, God, we just pray that we're able to trust you. We pray that we're able to, um, to fall back and to, to give everything to you. Lord, that we're not holding back, but rather, Lord, that we can put everything into your arms. Lord, we know that um, Jesus even said that in this life there will be trials and, and difficulties. And so, Lord, we just pray that as we go through them, that we, we don't focus on the temporary, but rather that we can focus our eyes on heaven and being with you in the eternal. And so, Lord, we pray that in the midst that you give us peace and comfort and that we're able to trust you along the way. In all this we pray. Amen. Amen.